on today's and final episode of 2019 of Sports and the World. I give you the year in news, the year in entertainment, the year in sports, and we'll talk about happiness and so much more. That's today on Sports in the World, the last episode of 2019. I'm Adarius here from Sports and the World. Here on today's episode, the final episode of 2019, I decided to give you guys some trivia questions, not only about the year 2019, but about the decade as well. And here are your questions. According to Billboard, what is the number one song of the decade and the number one album? What's the highest grossing movie of the decade? Who was the highest paid male and female athlete of the decade? And who was the most Googled person of 2019? Those are your questions, and they'll be answered during this episode of Sports and the World. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and more importantly, however you're listening to us, whether it's through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcasts, or wherever your podcast can be heard, thank you for making Sports in the World a part of your day. And thank you so much for listening here on the final episode here of 2019, and I've appreciated your listenership all year long. It means the absolute world to me. And and I'll go in depth more about that. But let's jump right into 2019 in the news. 2019, depending on your perspective, was really a great year, a bad year, or for, for, I think for a lot of us, in the middle. But a lot of things trended up, according to Google, and a lot of things really stood out in the news in 2019. And one of the things that, in my opinion, that really, really trended, actually, and also according to Google as well, in terms of the news, is more so of human interest. You know, obviously, the number one thing is Trump and the impeachment. And that was on the back end of this year. But it's, it's very important. Because a lot of these news stories this year will transcend into next year. And I'll explain and provide some sort of edification as as I progress. But let's start with the Trump impeachment. Listen, it's led by Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. And Democrats moved to impeach President Trump based on allegations that he abused his power of his office by enlisting a foreign government to investigate political rival. That's according to the Associated Press. And wherever you stand on the impeachment, because you have a multitude of polls that support impeachment, you have some of those who don't support it. But what, one of the things that I will say is that something like this can embolden individuals like a President Trump, because this is what he's been preaching on not only just this year, but ever since he took office, 
is that it's him against the media. It's him against everyone else. And this is emboldened him because once again, now it's him versus essentially the Democrats. And I feel that this impeachment with his trial set for January of next year have, will have long lasting effects as opposed to whether he will get impeached. In my opinion, I, I don't see it. But once again, I could be wrong looking at from a purely unbiased perspective. But it's one of those stories that will carry into the next year. And unfortunately, another story that has carried the news this year is mass shootings. And whether it's a Walmart store that was crowded with shoppers in El Paso, Texas, was targeted by a gunman who killed 22 people before the arrest of the shooter. And the police said that the suspect posted anti-Hispanic writings online prior to the attack. And the massacre sent chills to the Latino communities around the country. It was one of several mass shootings in the United States this year. And some of the targets included a garlic festival in Gilroy, California, the exterior of a bar in Dayton, Ohio, and a municipal building in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And and I covered these as it as it happened, especially what happened in Virginia Beach. And unfortunately, it's, a, it's something that unfortunately shouldn't. We don't like it for it to be trending. We don't like it to make headlines. And once again, and you'll hear me say this a lot during this episode, is that where you stand on the issues, I think we can all come to an agreement that we have to find a way to cease and desist these mass shootings. And whether it's stronger, tougher gun laws, whether it's more gun-free zone, however we choose to fix it, or try to alleviate the problem. We know it's a problem that all of us can acknowledge and it affects every single one of us. And speaking of things that I feel affects every one of us, climate change. Climate change, listen, I don't think climate change has really been in the news cycle, I think since Al Gore. And, but I think this year especially, you know, we have young activists like Greta Thunberg calling for tougher action as weather data indicated this year, it would likely be the second hottest year on record. And once again, you know, one of the things that you can't deny is science. We science, we can't deny facts. And the fact of the matter is it has been getting extremely, extremely hot. And at some point, we have to acknowledge that when there are polar ice caps melting. In Scandinavia and when like I'm here in the state of Florida and listen it was cooler not only this year it's been cool the last couple of years and we have to acknowledge some sort of issue with the climate and are there things that we can do absolutely I'm not here to I'm not I'm not here to preach and say well you need to stop doing this or doing that's not my job my, my biggest thing has always been we have to acknowledge the problem because if we don't acknowledge it, it will continue. That's with any problem. And in 2019, as you see, you know, as I progress on through not only the year of the news, but entertainment and sports, you'll see that accountability and understanding, I think, was a major theme this year. Or lack thereof for some people and issues. But one of the issues that were came to very clear was happening to Hurricane Dorian. 
it killed more than 60 people and leaving several billion dollars worth of damage according to USA Today and unfortunately it affected the regions like the Bahamas it affected the Caribbean and it's one of those things where you you know anything you're dealing with a lot of lost lives and a lot of people googled Hurricane Dorian in fact it was the fourth most trending topic on Google this year it was the fourth most and and obviously the most the interest level the most is within the Bahamas and with countries like Jamaica Trinidad and Tobago the United States was fourth in Puerto Rico it, it was very very trending because it concerned a lot of lives it concerned that region that has been hit a lot with natural disasters over the last this decade but we can argue decade and a half two decades and in essence it boils down to humanity it boils down to things unfortunately we can't control and it's one of the things that when we talk about once again loss of life you know I once again I live here in Florida and I've been dealing with hurricanes my entire life and if those who are currently living in Florida or who has lived in the state of Florida understand you know you know the point I'm you know projecting is that you know loss of life damage sometimes it happens to our friends and our families but sometimes when it doesn't happen to us or those around us we can have this proclivity to kind of turn off the humanity switch but I think with Hurricane Dorian it was the most powerful storm ever and they're going to retire the name because it was that bad and and once again we should you know be saying our thoughts and prayers not only now but every day until countries like the Bahamas the Puerto Rico Jamaica they heal and recover not just the physical but also the mental and emotional because it's very hard to tell people that you have to leave where you are because of where because of what happened and I think we have to put that in into greater greater perspective in that regard and speaking of things to put in greater regard I actually put Brexit and the AP had this as a top story of the year and I and I and I did as well because here's the thing the Brexit supporter Boris Johnson he became prime minister but he lost a lot of key votes in parliament and in the supreme court but however he succeeded in calling national elections and his conservative party won a resounding victory seemingly assuring that the exit from the EU the European Union would indeed take place and you may be wondering why, well Ladarius why is this uh, uh, thing, why do you think this is an important issue I think that because depending who you talk to in the news stories you read that people look at Boris Johnson the way they look at Donald Trump and one of the things that and, I, and once again you once again it'll be one of the many things you'll hear me say is that no matter how you feel about them on a personal level we have to acknowledge that in 2019, they've pulled up their polarizing figures and their leaders of, of two of the more powerful nations in the world. And one of the things that with Brexit, the significance of Brexit is how is how will they be able to handle terror? In fact, remember the USA and China was also a top story. The issues going on there. How does Brexit? How does Brexit handle? 
tariffs, how they handle trade, import, exports. It's very significant because of the products that we send and we get from Britain. So it's important in that regard as well. Speaking of things that are important, staying in the continent of Europe, listen, the Notre Dame Cathedral, as we know, it caught on fire. But here's the thing. It did not hold Christmas services that Christmas week for the first time in over two centuries. And records have shown that Christmas masses have been celebrated at Notre Dame every year since at least 1803. And one of the things is... Why is it significant? Because there are millions and millions of Catholics, not just here in the United States, but, but here across the world. And, and the thing is, is that, and, and to, put a more, to put a more precise number of the number of Catholics in the world, there are 1.2 billion estimated Catholics in the world. And more than 40% of those Catholics live in Latin America. But however, that's why it's a significance. And, you know, and you read various reports and you read like, well, it's going to take years. This is not something that's going to be filled in two to three years. This could be, we're talking the next five, maybe 10 years to resurrect that building. And that's according to the New York Times. Is how do we fix that? And why is it important? Because as someone who... If you appreciate history like I do, if you appreciate cultures of other countries' cultures and other continents' cultures for that matter, Notre Dame means a lot to the people of France and it means to a lot of to a lot of different people across the world. And we have 1.2 billion Catholics. It just wasn't an issue. And once again, it was a trending topic on Google. And one of the things is, is that how trending was it? Well, when you look at what happened in Notre Dame, listen, France, Belgium, Canada, the United States were three and four, and Lebanon was four. It's very interesting all over the world, not just in Europe, but in North America, especially. And speaking of things to wrap up, my version of the year 2019 and I know there's a lot of bigger important stories I'll leave that to the news I'll leave it to other sources but to me I had to throw in a story about Area 51 because here's the thing somebody once again somebody may need to sit me down and correct me why would you want to even go when the government's telling you hey don't go and here's, the decision. and here's the thing, despite millions responding to the public Facebook event, Storm Air 51, they can't stop all of us. The authorities in Nevada say about 40 people gathered at the gates before being confronted and dispersed by law enforcement. Once again, it has always proves the point where, where a bunch of people say they're going to do until they realize the consequences on the back end. It actually have consequences. It's called, there's that word again, accountability. And these bunch of dopes were willing to storm Area 51 for what? Well, they can't stop us all. Even the person who created the group said, don't go. Because nobody would think that you'd be stupid enough to go. But once again, eh, it proves you're wrong that there are people stupid enough to do it. 
And one of the things that I will say about this year and every other year, but this year especially, not just Area 51, but, you know, the news in general. People may feel it's stupid. People may feel it. Listen, and I throw in matters like Trump impeachment and climate change. I talked about Hurricane Dorian, Brexit, and Notre Dame Cathedral. And there are a lot of stores that are still shooting in the streets of, of our country. We lost a lot of great people. Like I am paying the architect. You know, we, we've lost a lot. But the one thing I want people to take away from the news in 2019 is be optimistic. That it's going to be better. And that the news, sometimes, as I try to demonstrate here, hopefully, that you got to mix the good with the bad, the better the sweet. And speaking of things that are sweet, we're going to transition into the year in entertainment, and that's next here on Sports of the World, the last episode of 2019. And welcome back into Sports and the World, the final episode of 2019. And once again, just continue. Thank you for your listenership this year. And it's it means the absolute world to me that you take time out of your day. You know, your day, your night to listen. It, it, I really do appreciate it. And most importantly, you know, one of the things that I, you know, want to do next year to interact more with you guys you know the social media that I have for the podcast you know at Sports of the World both Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook page Sports of the World ampersand for the word and you know think about creating a website think about maybe doing a blog interacting more with you getting your feedback your thoughts and opinions because they matter because you know I'm sitting here talking you guys make the show you guys make it because I listen to what you said I listen and I feed off of that. I feed off, you know, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And one of the things that's hopefully going forward, you know, there'll be more about it, you know, next year in terms of the progress. But I just want to continue to thank you for your listenership once again. And with that, let's talk about the year in entertainment. You know, one of the things I always say, especially with entertainment, is, is that in, in, in most things in life, I say, well, you know, there's there's nothing that's gonna come out that's gonna really catch my eye. It's not going to it's not going to impress me. It's not going to. But when you look at just the movies this year, the Avengers: Endgame, Joker, Captain Marvel, Toy Story 4, Aquaman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Frozen 2 that came out recently, Green Book, The Lion King, you know, and a lot. And, and so many things that are trending on Google, but are just trending this, you know, all year. And we look at TV shows like the end of Game of Thrones, which I'll be the first to admit, I never really got into. Hopefully, if you've all watched it, let me know how it is. Hit me up on social media. Let me know how it is because it's not, you know, I think I saw like the first episode and went, okay, maybe it's not for me. I was like that with the Harry Potter books, where I said, this is a true story. I was in book club. Back in University Park Elementary, shout out, go Pandas. And I was in a book club, and the book I had to read was the first book, Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets. So, so mind you, I'm reading, and I read the, the, the chapter, as most of you know who read it, maybe 30 pages long. 
And I read the first chapter and I put the book down. And the teacher came and said, that was wrong. And I said, I don't get it. Muggles, Quidditch, I didn't get it. But when I saw the movie, I understood it. Because for, for me, for most people, maybe if you read the book and then you watch the movie or however, you know, once again, let me know. You guys, especially if you know the book is being made to a movie. Or if you know the movie is based on the book, what do you read the book or do you watch the movie? If you've never done either either. But in my case, like the color purple for me, I saw the movie before reading the book. So, but once again, that's just an example of, you know, Game of Thrones. It was very popular and it is run. You know, Stranger Things is a very good show. When they see it, it's a very good documentary, which I have to still check out but but once again entertainment once again with this year the music Old Town Road just dominating the year you know Lady Gaga was shallow you know it's just you know some you know Post Malone even Lizzo even Taylor Swift you know it's just a lot it's a it's a lot in a great year but here's some of the things that I found especially important and one of the things that stood for me entertainment is the college, the college admissions camp First, with, with Lori Lockler, a.k.a. Uncle Aunt Becky, for those, for those who don't know. Here's the thing. She and her husband, they pled not guilty in two conspiracy, to two conspiracy charges in a college admissions cheating scandal. Here's the thing. The prosecutors alleged that both paid a half a million dollars to get their two daughters into USC and falsely designated them as crew team recruits. But here's, here's the other thing. They were also charged with federal program bribery, which carries a five-year prison sentence. They pled not guilty to both. And here's the thing. You know, as a parent, knock on what I hope to be a parent someday, I always say this, you know, listen, I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kid. That's, that's not my... But one of the things I do say when it comes to people in general is that do do we ask the kid do they want to go to school is it do we want to go to school through the kid or do they actually want to go to school because you have kids who love college they love school you know I can speak for that but you have some who may want to go to trade school they may want to go to art school they may want to go to college they want to go to they may want to go to a school that owns their skill maybe not just a college and I feel that even with the next story, it, it's very applicable. But in, in but there's, there's a significant difference, and that's with Felicity Huffman, you know, former Desperate, desperate Housewives star. Here's the thing: she pled guilty to conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud, admitting her part in a scheme to boost her daughter's SAT score to help her get into a good college. She was sentenced to 14 days in prison. A $30,000 fine in community service. Here's the thing. Once again, it harkens back to the point about Lori Lachlan and her husband. Do we ask the kid, do, do they want to go to school? Because listen, if this is a situation where the daughter wanted to go to school, and really I didn't get enough information on that to research that. If you know, let me know once again. But the thing is, is that, once again, you can't push people to do things they don't want to do. I've said this, you know, for at least a decade, almost, where 
we could want people to achieve and be successful and do good things in life. But if the individual does not want it for themselves, it's all for naught. And I, I, I got a lot of guffaw. I got a lot of, you know, not say blowback. But, I mean, we could want our kids to be president. Our kid may just want to be a skateboarder. They may want to be a doctor, lawyer, teacher. You may have some, once again, they may be, oh, we want them to be a doctor. And, you know, quite frankly, they, they just maybe want to be, you know, in some cases, listen, they may want to be a, a designer. They may want, and I tell you, you, let, you know, one of the things that my parents allowed me to do was follow my path. Where when the older I got, I could never get to the age I am and say, hey, jerk ball for letting me, pushing me into this. And I think when kids get older, that does happen, especially when the parent pushes them. And these two stories, to me, it felt like, did we ask the kid, did they want to go to school in the first place? Because here's the thing. You save, listen, <laughs> you save a half a million dollars and you can save 30 grand respectively in, in, being, in paying off and, and in fines by simply acknowledging the fact that maybe the kid didn't want to go to school or didn't acknowledge the fact they want to go to school. If they want to go to school, there are people who want to go to school who can't for whatever reason that may be. But I stress that before I move on, to simply say is that we should never force things upon people. It sounds very rudimentary, but it's the difference between when you see people growing up and they're in a career that's successful and miserable in, and sometimes, and you have people who grow up maybe, maybe not as, they're successful, but they're happy. And we're going to get to success and happiness in our final segment. But speaking of things that you know didn't quite make me happy this year, Alex Trebek, long-time host of Jeopardy, diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. The odds, as he admitted, are very minimal. And as someone who loves Jeopardy and loves Alex Trebek, not just the fact he hosts the show with him as a human being, and the love that he's getting, and the lives that he, the lives that he's touched, including mine. I think it speaks to the man and it speaks to who he is. And it's absolutely one of the things that stands out to me. And I still send my love and prayers to him, you know, each and every day. And for those who are going through cancer, you know, we all know someone who's gone through cancer. And, you know, with, you know, I have people in my family. And we all know, like I said, we all know someone. And, some days are hard, you know, I think of his wife and his children. They're going through every day. And and I think of him and as I think of others and pray for them. And, and speaking of things that something that brought me down, but also but perked me up on the other end with J-Lo and A-Rod getting married, you know, engaged to be married in the Bahamas. Once again, I like, you know, listen, this is a power couple. You know, they both have brands. I think it works when you see the pictures on social media how close they are it's not it's not nonsense it actually works and I root for them I really do I actually root for them Three of the things that I didn't root for R. Kelly Harvey Weinstein Kevin Spacey Russ Simmons folks I'm not going to read to what they've done you're smart intelligent people you already know what they've done <sighs> What all I'm going to say about this is Remember when I talked about with accountability? Here's the thing. R. Kelly went on to, you know, the interview with Gail King. Swore but now he didn't do it, folks. 
I've been trying to tell people since with the whole thing with Aaliyah. The man was doing stuff like this for over 20 to daughters. And people thought, oh, he, no. Listen, and you support the music. That's fine. The same thing I say about Chris Brown. I'm not the biggest Chris. I, I, choose, not, I choose not to listen to his music. But what I always say is, is that, listen, that's just, listen, it's very hard for some people to separate music from the person. It separates one's career you know, their career from them as a person. But R. Kelly, when I think of the music, it's very hard not to think of things and stuff. Same thing with Chris Brown. And when you look at Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey, it's Hollywood, it's the Me Too movement. And when Harvey Weinstein had the nerve, the audacity, and the temerity to say that he's done a lot for women's rights, that's just kind of like the equivalent of Chris Brown saying the same thing. And that's just like, you know, that's like any member of the KKK saying, well, I've done a lot for civil rights. That's the, that's what I feel is the equivalent of that. That's like David Duke saying he's done a lot, for, you know, for, for civil rights and for African-Americans. I think it's a slap in the face. Kevin Spacey, we know what he's done, you know, with him. And then all of a sudden he came out, and, but yet you don't change the fact of what he's done. And with Russell Simmons, listen, you know, I'm not here. And once again, this is where I say, this is not, I'm not going to make it a race issue. People, listen, I go with black or white, you know what you did was wrong and you abused your power. You have some people who say, you have some people who look at it as well, the white person did it, or they did a black, black person, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm the person that listen. you go after them all. You go after them all. You send a message. And, you know, speaking of sending a message, Kim Kardashian was someone who I've I love, listen, people may not love her, but I love her. Here's the thing. She's a year, nearly a year, through a four-year apprenticeship with a San Francisco law firm to be a lawyer. And she has a standing job offer from famed attorney Robert Shapiro. And, the, you know, the connections that her father, the late Robert Kardashian, worked Robert Shapiro in the defense of Orenthal James Simpson. And listen, she had a nickname from inmates called the Princess of, of Prison Reform because of her work that has helped free 17 in- inmates and counting. Folks, I don't care how you feel about the Kardashians. I've all, you know, one of the things that I've observed is that Kim Kardashian had a sex tape. And people make sex tapes to be famous, to be seen and recognized. Yes, but. What I always say is that the, when she became a businesswoman, you know, those dash doors, the Kim Kardashian has been on for, I think it's a billion season. But yeah, people still want to harken back to, oh, well, I don't like the way they live. And that's fine. But she took some, listen, any of us make a sex tape, it's just a sex tape. There's no capitalization off of it. She took it and capitalized and made a billion dollars. I could argue made an enterprise. And I don't mean that in the I don't mean in a negative way whatsoever. And people have to understand that. Is that I, I look at Kim Kardashian West as someone who is genuine. Uh, and, and listen, and sometimes not always gonna show. But to help free I, I ask you this, how many people have you freed from prison lately? Think about that. Before you sit here and we look at Kim Kardashian, listen, she looks good, blah blah blah, blah but she's very smart. We don't give her credit for that because of why. We think of Kardashian. We have we have these different images. Everybody in that family is a millionaire. You know, Chris. You know, Chris Kardashian. Listen, deserves a lot of credit for that. 
let's focus on. Is there anything I say about LeVar Ball? LeVar, Bur- Le- Le- LeVar Ball, not the greatest person, but he's a great parent. You look at his sons, they went through school. He's got a son in, in the NBA. He could have a potential son drafted another son in the NBA next year. People talk about LaMelo Ball being a first overall pick. Meaning that, folks, what do you think of him as a person is one thing, but look at, you see what the body of the work they've done, you have to acknowledge. And speaking of things that I have to acknowledge, <sighs> folks, I want to talk about old Jesse. Jesse Smollett, former Empire star. Folks, you know the story, but I like to remind people, here's the thing. He stated that he was the victim of a hate crime, and after he said he was attacked by two men on a Chicago street in the middle of the middle of the night. Middle of the night. After launching the investigation, however, the police started to feel something wasn't right. One plus one was coming up three and not two, basically. Jesse was arrested for allegedly staging the attack himself with the help of two men whom he paid. And that's going to be interesting on the back end. Listen, and, and, and Jesse, listen, he was facing 16 felonies. He caught a break. The case against him, the criminal case against him was dropped by a prosecutor. But then he filed a malicious prosecution counterclaim in federal court alleging that the city of Chicago created a false narrative when it said the attack was a hoax. Folks, first and foremost, serious note if I go to the funny. This is why people have a hard time reporting crime because the police don't believe you because of stories, when they read stories like this, listen, you want, Jesse was trending. Jesse was amongst actors. Jesse was one. Lori Lachlan was number five. Folks, people, this is global. All these guys mentioned the trends are global. You want to know where in the, you know, let's again, around the world where people just listen. The U.S. and Jamaica, Canada, Ghana, South Africa. People all over the world knew what this man had did. And here's the thing. And Charles Barkley submitted it perfectly on Inside the NBA. If you're going to break the law, do not write a check. It's cash. You make too much money. Cashes can be checked. Folks, credit card. Listen, this is how you want to know how people, how marriages end, you know, in adultery and affairs? Because you put it on a credit card. It's called cash. As the one lady says, straight, you know, listen, as you know, listen, as Randy Moss says, straight cash, homie. Straight cash. And you know what? <laughs> to me, that stood out to me because, because to me, it was still because you had people defending Justin and me. Listen, I was like the Chicago police. I'm like something's not right because it just seemed that if he was really attacked, I'm not saying he should his whole face should be gone, but someone right. But here's the thing. Don't write checks, kids. If you're going to commit, listen. You write checks to pay your bills. You don't write checks to commit a, to commit to commit and break the law. And speaking of things that you know broke things, let's go back to the trivia question that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Things that were breaking the decade 
musically. Now, the number one song of the decade was Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. The number one album was Adele by 21. And doing the research, and I couldn't, and I was very surprised. And I said, but you know what? Those broke good records. What Jesse did, he just broke the law. Listen, and listen, he just broke me up in laughter and tears. And speaking of things that are breaking up, we're going to break up and end this segment and be right back and give you your year in sport next here on Sports and the World, the last episode of 2019. And welcome back to Sports and the World, the final episode of 2019. And once again, the social media is at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. Facebook page is Sports and the World, ampersand for the word and. Go to the About tab. Listen to this episode and every episode of 2019. Once again, truly do appreciate taking time out. Your day, your night, I truly do appreciate it. And to go back and to give you the highest grossing movie of the decade, Star Wars The Force Awakens, edged out Avengers Endgame. So, the athlete, and actually the most Google person will be answered in this segment here in the sports block. You know, every year is a great year in sports, but, you know, there's a lot of great sports stories, very hard to narrow it down. But, you know, you know, we'll start with the champions of 2019, the Patriots, the NFL. There's the third Super Bowl win this decade. They've appeared in five Super Bowls this decade. Unbelievable, unbelievable run, you know, this decade. You know, Kraft, Brady, Belichick, you know, it's probably something that you, you you'll probably won't see in the NFL again with such parity. And Major League Baseball, the Washington Nationals. Listen, it's, it was 61 seasons since the city of Washington won. They weren't in there 33 years. They were the Montreal Expos, and they moved away from. They moved away, but when they but the last baseball championship in D.C. was 1924. It was an absolute great story. It was a great World Series to watch. You know, to see guys like Ryan Zimmerman was a. You know, Washington National, their first draft pick. You know, finally get a ring. It was an absolutely great story to watch. And speaking of first, you know, the Toronto Raptors winning their first NBA title. You know, Kawhi Leonard was named the AP Athlete of the Year. And like I said, their first NBA title. Here's what he averaged, Kawhi. 28.5 points, 9.8 rebounds, and 4.2 assists. He had, a, he had the most points in the entire playoffs you know in 2019 and he he did absolute there's not much more you can say he is well deserved or other guys you could but I feel he was more deserved than he earned and in hockey listen you know we didn't talk about hockey enough this year we're putting it on the list of things to talk about but the St. Louis Blues their first Stanley Cup in 52 years expansion team absolute great story this team was not favored to win this was one of the worst franchises in the NHL and now they went from worst to first. It took them a while to get there, but they got. And speaking of sports that we don't talk about enough here on the show, was English Premier League soccer. 
once again, it's on the to-do list. And for those who are huge, you know, soccer or football fans, for those, you know, spanning, spanning the globe, give me some teams to follow, some teams to watch, you know, to become more observant in soccer. But Manchester City won in 2019. It's their fourth Premier League championship this decade. But there was also another story this year in English Premier League that got me in this decade was Leicester Leicester City. I apologize if I butchered the name. Listen, they won the Premier League in 2016. You know what the odds were for that to win? win? It was 5,000 to one to win. To, to, to kind of put that in, you know, you know, in other major sports terms, listen, there was 300 to one odds back in back in 1999 for the St. Louis Rams to win the Super Bowl and the 91 Minnesota Twins with Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, and Jack Morris with 10 innings. You know, they were, for them to win the World Series. Great. It's, it's a great story because it teaches us the importance of, you know, it's not how you start the season, how you finish. And, you know, Leicester City, Leicester City was the epitome of that in 2016. And speaking of those who the, who's the epitome of a year, an epitome of a moment, you know, going back to the AP Female Athlete of the Year of this year, it was Simone Biles far and away, you know, beating out Elena Della Don, Megan Rapone, a lot, lot of, you know, great choices. But here's the thing with Simone Biles. She was the first, she's the first gymnast to win the award twice and the first to do it in a non-Olympic year. Here's the thing. She has won 25 world medals, 19 gold, 3 silver, 3 bronze, which is the most in gymnastics history. And listen, those 19 gold medals is the most ever in gymnastics history. She was named Team USA's Female Olympic Athlete of the Year for this year. Simone Biles, she's going to retire after the, she's going to leave after the Tokyo Olympics next year. And she could go down as one of the greatest athletes, male or female, in the Olympic history. You know, hitting her triple-double, uh, you know, a move that not many hit. People were blown away, calling her the GOAT on social media. Simone Biles, when you look at Simone Biles and how young she is, and, and we have to put, we have to put in how old she is. And I said, here's the thing. You know how old Simone Biles is? And, I, and I'll give you time to digest. You know how old Simone Biles is? She's 22. She's 22 years old. And when the Olympics come next year, she'll be, you know, 23. And she's going to be of your last Olympics. And by that point, there's no telling me how many gold she'll have, how many medals she'll have. She can go down as one of the most decorated Olympic athletes of all time at the age of 23. That's how good she is. And it's good for the sport, and it's good, and it's most importantly, it's not just for gymnastics, but it's for young girls. And most, you know, and, and to kind of delve in deeper, young girls of color could see someone like them be, you know, at a, at a sport that the last great athlete of African-American athlete in Japan, go back in my mind, Dominique Dawes and that great 
team they had in 1996. It's just amazing the things that she can do. And, and once again, as a fan of the Olympics, it's one of the sports that I watch in the Olympics that, of course, with the basketball, I watch the swimming as well. But she's an absolute, absolute beast. And she could go down as one of the greats. And speaking of those going down as the great, they also did, this is the Associated Press, did male and female athlete of the decade. And one of the answers to your trivia question is going to come up shortly. But the AP male athlete of the decade. Listen, you could have went with Michael Phelps. People say you could have went with Steph Curry, which I thought was a little hilarious. But penultimately, they had Tom Brady with a distant second. LeBron James. Eight great finals. Period. And we could argue, you know, in the decade, we could argue win or loss. We could argue. We could we could sit here and argue the point of oh you know should but here's the thing he joins you know dominant athletes Tiger Woods who I talked about earlier Wayne Gretzky Arnold Palmer athletes who just dominate a decade he dominated the decade listen no NBA player has won more games and more MVPs over the last 10 years than LeBron it's not even close and I could also add to the list that he's, he's the player that introduced mobility. You didn't see a lot of... You, you, you saw players move, but you didn't see him move at such a rampant rate to go somewhere and to win. You know, LeBron left Cleveland. Oh, they burned his jersey. They treated him like Judas. He went to Miami to begin the decade and just won. He won a championship. He left Miami. He left South Beach. Went back to Cleveland, won them a title, and now he's good to LA. It's mobility. He's able to move across the league, and not a lot of guys will do it. And when I give him a lot of credit for doing it. I think, you know, the whole LeBron Jordan argument, I don't entertain it because they play two different positions, and that's a debate for another day. But you can't debate the fact of how he dominated the decade. And speaking, of dominating the decade. The AP female athlete of the decade and the highest paid female of the decade, she made well over $215 million this decade. Serena Williams. Listen, let's put this in perspective with Serena Williams. 12 Grand Slam titles. No other woman had more than three over the last 10 seasons. She had 12. Three and a half years in a row as the number one player in the World Tennis Association ranking. Serena Williams, just like LeBron, her in the impact was more of, you didn't see a lot of tennis stars, you know, beyond the court. You know, we could argue Anna Kornikova, but I'm talking, and no disrespect to Anna Kornikova, but those who could really play and take it and make it a career fashion designer, a career just like LeBron, LeBron, the Hollywood, taking taking your your sport, taking 
the success and your dominance and you're going somewhere else and dominate, try to dominate someone else. And she went and tried to dominate somewhere else. And that to me is significant. Because to me, Serena Williams to me is not just the greatest female athlete of the decade. I could argue the minute she decides to hang up her rack, her tennis rack, she can go down as one of the greatest athletes of all time. She dominated her sport the same way Tiger Woods did in golf. And people tend to forget about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was dominating. If Tiger Woods had a lead on Sunday, you know, pack your golf clubs and go home. If you saw Serena Williams in a Grand Slam final, listen, she's she's lost a couple to like Azarenka and Naomi Osaka. But, you know, you know, Serena, at one point, you didn't want to step up the court. The intimidation factor. With LeBron, same thing. When you dominate a decade, and there was an article saying, well, Steph Curry, listen, I, I get it. But we're talking about individual athletes. He went to eight straight fun. People say he went to the East. It doesn't matter. It's like with Tom, Tom Brady went to how many straight Super Bowls? People may not, once again, I hate to keep harping back on this. Whether you like him as a person or not is your, your business. But when we, when I talk about Tiger Woods, I go back to accountability and I go back to that point. But with Serena Williams dominating a decade, and speaking of dominance, the U.S. women's national team, this decade, you know, two World Cup championships and Olympic gold in 2012. You know, the days of Mia Hamm, Michelle Akers, you know, Brianna Scurry, you know, those days, Julie Fowler, even, Brandy Chastain, you know, this is a new generation. In this decade, you saw players like Hope Solo, Allie Creek, Carly Lloyd, who made two goals in that World Cup win versus Japan, by the way. Julie Earth, the wife of Zachary, both have championships. <laughs> They're both winners. Megan Rapone, runner-up to athlete of the year to be female athlete of the year Alex Morgan who I think is the definite future of, of women's soccer Abby Wambach the GOAT of women's soccer in some people's eyes they were just dominant you know on and off there whether you, whether or not you agree with you know, the, some of their activism or whether you agree with it or not we can't deny their impact this decade not just on on the pitch but off the pitch. I think that's what they call it in, you know, soccer at the pitch. Yeah, so I'm, tr- I'm trying, folks. I'm trying. But speaking of dominance, and I also want to, to lead in with this. And, and to me, Tiger Woods is the transition here. You know, the U.S. women's national team dominated. Tiger Woods dominated, a, dominated I could argue, a decade of golf maybe a decade and a half and things happened and he was the comeback his comeback at the Masters his win with the AP Sports Story of the Year without question here's what Tiger Woods did listen we all know the story listen you could argue it started the death of Thanksgiving in 09 when he ran over a fire hydrant outside his home in Florida and all of a sudden there were stories of infidelity the breakup of his marriage and it almost ended his career but focusing back on the back on back in golf he didn't play 26 or 17 
In the end of 17, he conceded and admitted that his back was bad. That his days of competitive golf were done. He was done with golf. He had four back surgeries. But you fast forward at, at the Masters and getting that green jacket. And there was a moment. And I had to get, I wanted to make sure I got it right for you to listen. Is that he went to the same spot where he met his father 20 two years before, back in 1997, when he won his first match, when he won his, when he won the Masters. He scooped up his son, Charlie, and held him up in a long embrace. Did the same with his 11-year-old daughter, Sam, and his mother, Tilda. Watching that brought back tears of, it brought back tears of remembering that I was a little kid. You know, I was nine. And, and I remember how I didn't underappreciate it as a kid when I got older. How much his father meant to him in golf. And Tiger Woods said that, you know, that moment, that day, is something his kids would never get seeing his father win a championship. And I and I always tell this to people. Is is that sports has great stories. Tiger Woods at one point was the was the good guy. He became the villain, and then he became the good guy again. That's why I always stress the importance of second chances. He 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 held himself accountable, and he knew what he did. You know, he had his DUI back in twenty. He knew that he had to not just become forget golf, but a better person. And that moment, it brought back the human interest in sports. It's one of the things I love about sports is a great story. And if they did a 30 for 30, and the thing is that, that what if I told you that a tiger can get its stripes back? And he did. On that day in Augusta. And it's one of the great, and to me, it was my personal favorite sports story of 2019. And speaking of sports stories, before we transition to the last segment for the last show of this year, the most Googled person in the world now is an athlete. Full discretion, it is an athlete. But, once again, what if I told you that this person was the most Googled person and athlete in the world? This is, this is global. It's a global stat. What if I told you it was Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown beat out athletes like Neymar, Bryce Harper, David Ortiz, Alex Morgan, Andrew Luck, who retired too young, Megan Rapone, Zion Williamson, and people like James Charles, the makeup, I'm, old Jesse, Billie Eilish, Greta Thunberg, R. Kelly, Joaquin Phoenix, Jordan Wood. Antonio Brown stood out. And you're asking, where was he popular? Because I sure had that question. You know, obviously in the United States interest, but you know what the second country had interest in? Canada. And the theory is that, listen, I'm not, if you listen, Canada, the CFL, you can take them. But, so that was your most Googled person of 2019. And speaking of the most Googled things, we're going to come back and if you get a chance, Google what makes you happy because we're going to talk about happiness 
And that's in the final segment here on Sports in the World, the last episode of 2019. And welcome back into the final segment of the final episode of Sports in the World here in the year 2019. Once again, I've said throughout every segment of this show, my thanks to you for listening. And and I hope that you like the content. And for, for the most part, I've gotten great feedback. You know, some feedback, you know, I, I always appreciate it. Because like I said in the previous segment, you guys are the driving force. I, I don't put out anything that you don't want to hear. I try to put out things that are positive. I try, you know, I, I try to be critical, but not critical to the point where you're like, oh man, this guy's just bullying. And because there's enough of that. But I don't think it for your continued listenership. And, and in closing, this episode, the last episode, this final segment, I wanted to talk about happiness. And, and I'll tell you a quick story of how I, you know, decided to talk about happiness. I was talking to a very good friend of mine. And he was telling me how many people Google how to be happy. It was billions of people Google, you know, how to be happy. And, and we don't think about that because the thing is, is that with happiness, we, we you know... It's something that, you know, either you know it makes you happy or you don't. But, you know, if you take the Merriam-Webster definition of happiness, it's a state of well-being and contentment. Or a pleasurable or satisfying experience. And the thing is, that's happiness. It's something that makes you content. It gives you peace. It's a mental state. It's more of a state of mental, like it's a it's a state of mind, and it's a state of mind, and, it, and it's a feeling, but it's pleasurable and satisfying experience. You walk away happy, and I think sometimes, and we also throughout the course of the conversation, also important to know there's a differentiation between being happy and being satisfied. Now, satisfaction is the fulfillment of a need or want or a source of means of enjoyment. And now, you know, I could have easily, you know, I, you know, I tried to Google there between happiness and satisfaction and I understood it. But to me, it boils down to this. When you're happy, happy is doing something that you love to do and no one can take that away from you unless you allow it you it's something that you it's 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 a mini form of selfishness but a positive form of selfishness i give you an example your family like your children your spouse you know that you know that's your source of happiness you're not just satisfied with that yes it's a fulfillment of a need or want but it's also that's your state of well-being and your content and it's, it's pleasurable. It's a satisfying experience. So, 
that was what's satisfying to you know to me that's not satisfying that's happy because that's your state of well your contentment is your family it could be your faith you know it's something that no one can take away from unless you allow to take it away from satisfaction satisfaction is when you when you smoke when you drink and if you do those things I'm not going to knock you for it but to think about it this way does smoking and drinking make you happy does it give you that state of well-being and contentment or does it fulfill is it a fulfillment of a need or a want a need for nicotine or a need for alcohol and I tell people think about that because the minute you say those things make you happy that's the problem in my opinion like I said I'm not saying I'm right but think about that when you go to your job are you happy at your job are you satisfied with your job is it a state of where you get up every morning and you're at this state of well-being you're content with your job I'm not talking about promotion like you go to your job and it makes you genuinely happy or does it fulfill a need or one you just do it to pay the bills which which a job for the most part does for a lot of people but but it drives home the point of you've had people in Harvard University try to study what makes people happy, happy for 80 years for 80 years and it seems not to be an answer but there seems to be somewhat of a con- not say consensus we talk about science you know because one of the things that we have to understand that I'll put it this way if you go on a date and let's just say you, you move along very fast you guys know what I'm talking about but does, does that make you happy or satisfied because it fulfilled the need or is that a state of well-being Depending on yes, it could be both. But long term, think of when I think of happiness, I think it's gonna be there. Your family is going to be there long term. You could you could, for example, divorce your spouse, but you can't divorce your kids. Okay, that's important. Like, you know, if even if your spouse doesn't make you happy, but your children do and we have to make mention of that as well so the reason why I mentioned divorce is because look at happiness we have to look at loneliness because obviously when you're lonely you're not happy but this is why I want to talk about that is that you know according to study you know to the great article on eek.com 40% of Americans say that quote sometimes or always feel their social relationships are not meaningful they're just like social one night stands whether it's a literal one night stand or you're just having a conversation and you don't see that person again that's how 4 out of every 10 Americans feel but let's delve in deeper 20% of describe themselves as lonely or socially isolated they put themselves in the bundle and they isolate their happiness. So it leads people to do things that satisfy them, like alcohol, drugs. 
because of the fact that they're isolated socially or they're just lonely. But here's the thing, 28% of older adults, and this is important, live alone because this affects older adults. It affects people, listen, I'll be the first to admit, yeah, I do have loneliness. There, there's lonely moments, absolutely. So trying to find hap- the, try to find happiness as opposed to satisfaction is a very finite line. But the older we get in life, we live alone because the older we get, the less, you know, your children get older. They get away. Your friends travel. They're not going to be around you. You know, things happen. Life happens as we get older. And here's the thing. From a pure physical health perspective, researchers say loneliness is as bad for you. Get this. It's as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And I thought, okay, that's hyperbole. But it, I, it's very true. It harkens back to the point of satisfaction. When you smoke, you're satisfied. So imagine smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Because you're, you're, you're by yourself. You need something. That companion is your cigarette. I'm not, once again, I'm not saying that, hey, put down your smoke, put down your apple. Listen, I know people, we all know people who smoke and drink, and they're, listen, and they're fine. And and they do it socially, but we, this is for those who aren't happy. And, you know, going into, we're going to a whole new decade. And I felt this was important to talk about because people have been going through this probably this decade and beyond. Because we got, you know, we got 10 years older, you know, you know, fun little fact. So at some point, things migration, things get older, people go away. You know, it's a sad part of life. So one of the things is how do we fill the void of loneliness and get the happiness? Here's the thing. What if I told you volunteering? It provides an altruistic relationship, doing something that's greater than you. Here's the thing. is a recent study of 10,000 people in the UK reported that two-thirds said volunteering, quote, helped them feel less isolated. That was from Casey Killian's recent survey in Scientific American. It's a very fascinating survey. If you want the survey, let me know. I'll, I'll give you the link. But here in the separate, there's a study here in the United States involving 6,000 widowed women who found that those who started volunteering for just two hours or more per week found that, quote, their average level of loneliness subsided to match that of married adults. Because when you're married, you know, you you're happy because you're happy. There's happiness because it's a state of well-being. It's content. You're married. Married is being content. Content. It, once again, don't confuse content with settling. You're content because you wanted a family. Like content, like oh well, I can't do better than no. Contentment in this context is you you got a family. Some people may not want a family, but for most people, happiness is found within the family. And getting married. And listen, what's more, volunteering was especially helpful for older people who are most likely to be lonely in the first place. 
it goes back to the same point. The older we get, things happen. Our friends go away. Our children, our friends, things. I mean, I, 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 I challenge you all to do this before the year comes, before a new decade comes in. Think about where you're from. Or better yet, think of where you live. And look at your city. Look at your town. Look at the changes that have happened over the decade. Some of the buildings aren't there that were there maybe 10 years ago. Maybe they just weren't there. And by that, meaning that in the context of step outside, take a look and see. Because I guarantee you, it's changed and evolved over time. And one of those things is the building, the town has changed. And I challenge you to do that. Because at the end of the day, the older we get, things change. Our body changes. Everything changes. The things that used to make us happy don't. Those satisfactions like alcohol and those were things that we would confuse as being happy. But when we realized that they were just mere satisfaction, that when we realized that, you know, dating this person, dating, sleeping, with, listen, and that's fine. But at some point in your mind, you go, this is not making me happy. Because it's just fulfilling a need that's going to keep, it's like gasoline in a car. You got to keep filling it up or you're going to go any, nowhere. And you feel that certain things you have to do that because you can't function. And so one of the things that, you know, to think about is what you say to, you know, to your interaction with people. Because once again, I'm not saying go out there and volunteer. But do something that makes you happy, not just satisfied, it makes you happy. But before I leave you on this, I want you to think about a couple of things. There's a list of 17 things happy people say every day. Such as, I'm happy to see you, or I'm always happy to see you. And one of my and one of my personal favorites is I believe in you. I say that a lot. Because people doubt themselves. And one of the things is that happy people happy people sometimes doubt themselves but when somebody else says they believe it, listen it lets you know that when you're struggling and you're looking for guidance someone the one person in the room that says I believe it. it may be nothing to the other 99 people in the room but that individual was speaking to you and it helps people achieve more. And then, and someone along the way will thank you for that. They could be the friend, they could be the relative that was that you were there, you were present. And also things like, you know, saying I'm sorry. You know, and here's the thing, and according to the article, this is what I found. Say this when you mean it. When you've done something regret. This is why I say when people say I'm sorry, you gotta mean it. Don't say I'm sorry, but and give me a soliloquy. Either you're sorry or you're not. And that's important. 
saying thank you. Not just, you know, hey man, thanks. Thank, thank you. Saying you're welcome. Not yep, no problem. Just say you're welcome. Words. Power of words. I'm not no lexicon, but I'm telling you the power of words. Here's one. No. Why no? There's a small, according to the article, there's one small risk in the entire mode of expression. And this word is your fail-safe. The danger is that sometimes people will who will make other people's happiness their priority can wind up doing it at the cost of their own happiness. Too little, too little, too little letters, if they can be so powerful. But yet, more importantly, they demonstrate that you care for yourself, which is a key prerequisite to caring truly for other people. That's important. Sometimes saying no is not the worst thing in the world. Sometimes people say, if someone tells me no, or I say no, you'll find that the right people will respect you for it. Like, for example, people have tried to get me, you know, younger to smoke and drink and do I just said no. And the right people will respect you for it. Happiness always starts and ends you. And whether it's this decade, this year, this month, this day, I want you to think about happiness. Thinking of yourself, one of the resolutions, and I don't really do resolutions, is to think about your happiness. Because it starts and ends with you. Before you can make anybody else happy, make yourself happy. Because at the end of the day, it's your life and you control it. Your happiness is like a pen to a and you're writing your own story. When someone takes that pen, someone controls your story. And so I want you all to think about that. Because speaking of things that made me happy, doing this podcast this year this is the 42nd episode I've done this year and I've been so happy doing it and I thank you all this year every year and of every person this decade who's who's believed in me and just been there told me no when I want you know told me no even told me yes yes and no I want you all to think about that Think about the importance of words. Think about yourself going to a new decade, another 10 years. Do you want to be the person that wants to be happy or just be satisfied with your life? And with that, I say thank you all for listening in this year. And I hope that you all took away something. And I hope you go back and listen to the other episodes because I would truly do appreciate that as well. But until you hear me again, until I hear you again, until the year 2020, I'm Ladarius Brown. Be real, be you, and be blessed here from sports and the world. I'll see you next year, folks.